Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm glad you're here whenever you can make it, because we have valuable information for you today. In today's show, I'm going to be talking about something that may be a little bit touchy, which is that we really like to make excuses for not doing what we say we most want to do. Is that familiar at all to you? Because for most of us, it's familiar at least some of the time. We're always going to do something, but we really often don't play on our own team. We don't really get engaged and do what we know would make us happy or make a difference or create our contribution to the world in a way that we would be really pleased. And that's something only you can do. So today I'm calling this episode, People Generate Excuses Faster Than Dogs Eat Homework. And I think that that's probably accurate because it certainly happens. So are you planning on moving toward your goals someday? Or are you going to start taking good care of yourself sometime soon? Or are you on a career path that you love? Or are you treading water? Are your finances in order or are you planning to get them together sometime if you really, really need to and the IRS is coming after you? Or are your relationships working at home or are they on autopilot? Are you proactively dealing with things? Are you waiting for someone else to solve a problem? And if you are, what's stopping you? And the answer is you. Yeah, I know that's the hard truth, but you're the one who's in control of every choice that you make, every response and reaction you have to life. So just pause for a moment and say, what's stopping me? Think for a minute. What pops into your mind? Okay, pause. Think about it. Okay, what is it? Because most of us will come up with a good stock of answers quite quickly. They're not necessarily good answers or correct answers or even accurate answers, but we're good with it. We'll come up with a reason, a justification, an excuse, a rationale, something. We'll come up with it because we're used to doing that. When we were children, a parent would say to you, why did you do that? Or what are you doing? And you'd come up with an answer. So we're good at it. But is it accurate? And is it serving you well? That's the most important thing. You need to ask yourself, is it serving me well or is it simply allowing me to stop or procrastinate? Those wouldn't be two good things that would demonstrate any emotional savvy, would it? Is it? If you're just letting yourself off the hook, you're postponing your thoughts or feelings or dealing with something, you're really not playing on your own team. You really aren't. So I wrote this recently in an opening thing, and I'll just read it to you. People hate excuses. Missed deadlines are usually excuses. 
And I believe this is true because folks often excuses a lot of the time, especially with many of the people that I work with, because I help the partners, the exes, the adult children, the co-workers of the people that I call hijackals, the relentlessly difficult, toxic, often disturbing people. And they generate excuses faster than anybody else. So if you're just like most folks, you've settled into a complex, convoluted kind of self-talk that lets yourself off the hook. And that pretty much keeps you treading water. Now, I don't mean to make that sound harsh, but come on. Are you really doing what you said you want to do? Are you really keeping up those New Year's resolutions? Or does it just make really good talk? Does it really sound like you're going to do something? Yeah, I know. I'm kind of calling you out. I'm calling myself out at the same time because it's so, so, so important. And there's a quote that I found quite, quite a long time ago. I don't remember where I got it, but it said, there are two things in life, reasons and excuses, and only one of them counts. So that's a bit of a wake-up call, isn't it? So let's look at the dictionary for a moment. The dictionary says that an, an excuse is to overlook, give reason or apology for, try to clear of blame, free from duty or obligation, or let off with something. Now, on the other hand, a reason is a cause or a motive for an action or feeling a justification or explanation, and the ability or power to think and draw conclusions. So there's really not too much difference between an excuse and a reason. However, one is more rational and thought out and not just coming up with it quickly. Of course, some people we all know, they, they figure out their excuses, you know, way back there when they already decided they weren't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's not you, right? And if it is you, it's not going to be you for another quick minute, right? Because you are developing some emotional savvy. So can you tell the difference between your reasons and your excuses? That's important. So often we've convinced ourselves that one masquerades as the other. And just because you can make a logical case for something doesn't turn it into a reason. Got that? Just because you can come up with a good excuse and make a case for it doesn't turn it into an ironclad reason. It's more important that it be accurate, that you're actually telling yourself the truth. Because every time you speak, you're speaking to yourself first, right? You get that. That's your self-talk at the moment. Not the self-talk that's happening in your head when you're not speaking it, but when you're saying something to yourself or out loud, you are speaking to yourself. So whatever you call them, you have them and you use them. And reasons why you can't do things, even though you know they would be good for you, or reasons you can't do things now, even though you know this would be the best time. Reasons why you can't believe that you haven't examined your beliefs in a long time. Do you really know what you believe? Or reasons why you can't have what you say you want in life? Have you looked at those for a while? Or are they just convenient ways to keep you stopped? Yeah, I know. I'm sounding kind of harsh today, aren't I? I hope you don't take it that way. I'm just really trying to give us all a wake-up call here. So what's holding you back? 
It could be that it's your habit of thinking that your quick answers are actually the truth. You've convinced yourself. So maybe it's time to rethink that. The truth is that you can actually do most things that you desire to do. You can actually get most results as long as they only depend on you. You can actually do that. You may not be able to do them instantly or even immediately, but you can do them. And definitely you won't be able to do them all at once. There's a myth out there that says you can have it all. But in actual fact, you can throughout your lifetime. You just can't have it all at once. So choose one or two things carefully and write them down. Write them down. Now, list everything you might have to do to achieve those goals. Everything. Every little thing. Every little step. And then look at that list and say, is there anything on that list I'm not willing to do? Look at it carefully. Check with your body. Is there anything on this list I'm not willing to do? And if you find something there, modify it. Modify it. Make it so it's something you are willing to do. Because if you said that you wanted to lose two pounds in 10 months, but you're unwilling to go for a walk or exercise three times a week for 30 minutes, then you will have to say that you'll lose those four pounds in those, those 10 pounds rather in four months instead. You have to modify it because you're not willing to do what it takes. And of course, you do have to deal with the eating there, right? You know how that all goes. So, how about some opening questions. Go back to the ones that I asked you. Are you planning on moving forward with your goals? When? Are you going to take care of yourself sometime? Why not now? What's holding you back? Is it that you don't believe you deserve to feel healthy or to have the life you say you want? Because sometimes that's the absolute truth. You dig down way in there and you find that you really don't believe that you deserve that. I want to tell you that you do. You absolutely do. And you know how I know? Because you're here and you are drying breath and taking up space. And therefore, you have the absolute right to express yourself, to experience life fully without limitations. Because only you can put those limitations on what you're thinking and how you're planning your life. Only you. So make an appointment with yourself and keep it. You don't do those things. Write down those things you want to do and to be and to have and choose the top two and get to work on them. Ask yourself, what's been stopping me from doing this? What's stopping me from reaching this? Check to see if it's an excuse or is it really valid? Is it really the truth? Right? Time to really have a look and come clean with yourself. <laughs> and it's likely one of those two things are true. Either it's something that you think you should do and you're dragging your feet or it's something that will cause you to change your life and you're just afraid of those changes. Maybe you're afraid of that. I had a client once that I worked with and I have people all over the world I work with because now I work in video conferencing and this was a long time ago and she wanted a better life. She wanted a better life on every level. She wanted a man in her life, and she wanted to advance in her career, and she felt it was her weight that was holding it, her back. So we worked on that. We worked on everything, how to 
get ready to have and share a life, how to release the weight, how to change her habits, how to think about her, her job. And you know what? She lost 100 pounds. And she was going all kinds of wonderful places, and there was no longer an excuse that she was the fat woman at work that nobody would promote. People were uh, coming up to her. They were seeing her as more confident and competent. She was offered another position. Men were asking to date her. And through all the work that we did, she went off, and I thought she went off into a happy, happy sunset. But you know what she did? She gained it all back because she wasn't willing. I finally caught up with her a year and a half later, and she said, I finally realized I do not want to deal with having more responsibility at work, having more people in my life, having somebody who loves me because I still don't love me, and so I just put all the weight back on. So ask yourself about your goals. Do I really, really want it? Well, if you really, really want it, then only you can put that into motion. Clear the decks. Give up your excuses. Start. Make one change a week and keep moving forward. Keep that change. Make that one change. Then next week, make another change. Now you've got two things working for you. And slowly you'll do it. And you'll like yourself a whole lot better when you're playing on your own team. So don't excuse yourself from having the life you want. Jump into it. Really embrace it. Say, I deserve this. I'm going to do everything in my power to have it. And change that self-talk. Change that self-talk to say, I can and I will and I do and I deserve. And then take the action that matches. You know, the most important thing that I can teach anybody is what I say used to be on the wall of my office in great big letters, and it said, the truth is what you do. So teach yourself that you do for you. You step up for you. You do things that you want to achieve. You get the results that you want. If I can help you, let's talk. As I said, video conferencing from anywhere else in the world that I am not at that time. Go to fourrelationshiphelp.com, work with Dr. Shaler, that's what the navigation tab says, and let's talk. And in the meantime, get my newsletter, Tips for Relationships, while you're there. I hope that this has inspired you to make your life even better. Talk soon. Hello, I'm glad you're here at Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show, and my guest is also a colleague and friend of mine, Candy Barone, and I'm so glad that you're here with us, Candy. Welcome. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. I so appreciate the invite, Roberta. Well, I like to have guests of all kinds, but when I get the triple whammy, a colleague and a friend and a great guest, then I'm... I'm doubly, triply excited about what's going on. So let me tell people a little bit about you and why that I wanted to have this conversation with you because you are a leadership expert and I talk to you all the time and you're running here and there giving seminars and working with companies, high-level companies as an executive coach and a trainer and an international speaker and the author. Uh, that we'll talk about later. So she's a catalyst for change, change in individuals and in leaders. And, you know, she's 
person after my own heart because she wants to bring the heart back to leadership. And her words are, well, the heart back to leadership while feeding the soul of their business through courageous, courageous, connected conversations, courageous, connected conversations. And we want to be having that. So as a result, Candy is helping leaders change their what if to a powerful and purposeful imaginative. And that has a story behind it, doesn't it, Candy? <laughs> it does. Um, and one of the things, you know, I've worked with so many clients for so long, and, and especially in the space of corporate America, there's this very anchoring sense of what if that happens. Um, so many times we play the what if I fail? What if I can't do this? What if I lose my job? What if this happens? What if this change in our organization means X, Y, and Z? And it's always in this space of fear versus, and, and one of the things I used to tell people all the time was level up your what if, right? So for every negative what if, create a positive what if. And it wasn't until I was having a conversation with a client that it became really clear that we need to go way beyond that, right? It's stepping into a space to really re-engage and tap into our imagination and say imaginative. Because when you, and even in all the work around law of attraction, the words imagine if change everything about your energy. It changes everything about how you show up. And so you can level up the what if, or you can get into a space to tap back into that inner child, tap back into that imagination and allow yourself that play that then starts to manifest all these other things that you're like, well, imagine if, imagine if, and not only do you have the picture of everything that comes after your confidence, your energy, your presence all end up lifting as well because you start to insert yourself in that picture. And so it's really been a game changer this year to talk about how to change that what if into a very powerful, very purposeful, and very passionate imaginative. People wake up in that space. Yes, and, and you told me an interesting story about where that imaginative came to you from. Well, it did, and it was actually from a fellow colleague and friend of ours. She had posted, Laura Jacket actually, one day posted on Facebook. It was just this. She goes, imagine if we were kinder to ourselves. And what was amazing is something opened wide up for me mm -hmm. that I went, imagine if. Imagine if we were kinder to ourselves. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates open. And I had a notebook next to me, and I literally, seven pages, single space, front and back, could not stop with imagine if. Imagine if we were kinder to ourselves. Imagine if we smiled more. Imagine if we offered love in everything that we do. Imagine if we spent more time with animals. Imagine if we were in nature. And it was like I couldn't stop the momentum that then this idea around imagine if I put an imagine if out every week to get people to play in that space, to make it something that they could tap into. And it's been absolutely beautiful. And it was simply because Laura put a question out there <laughs> that was the right question at the right time. And uh, so much gratitude for helping show up like that. You know, what I really love about that story is that the openness to read something like that and not already assume you knew what it meant. Yeah. Because how many times do we read something and go, oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> and and then we don't even finish the sentence because we know that we're on. But that openness that you had, of course, maybe divine right timing and all those things were in order too. And you were open to it at that moment because you could have been closed. And I bet you are opening doors for lots of people now that you've seen through that one. Well, and yeah, and that's, that's the beauty of it, right? Because I think one of, not only does the what if frame 
anchor us down and, and really create a lot of more fear than necessary. But what we also do is we worry so much about how something's going to happen, when something's going to happen, and why something is happening or not. Instead of, and I, I challenge people to invite the question around, am I opening up access to receive what's mine to have and to receive the messages? And it's about opening up access. It's not about how and when and why. And I think that's where that openness comes from is the space of saying, I'm not attached to any part of it. I'm just receiving what chooses to show up and play. It's that the power of play, right? It's playing with however that makes me feel in that given space. And so instead of going, Oh, I know that I see that I got it. It's more to play in the space to say, huh, what does that mean for me right now? Because even if you understand that, know that we change frames constantly and perspectives based on how our energy is moving, how we're feeling, what things have happened throughout the day, that there's a playfulness to saying, well, yesterday that meant this, huh, I wonder what that might mean for me today. And I think that is such a catalyst in opening up that space to just receive and let it be what it is and kind of just dance in that space and take it from there. Well, I so agree with you. And, and when I'm working with my clients, and my clients are all over the world because of the magic of the internet like this, and I say to them, you know, when you're, you're a couple and you, there's a tendency to, to have that scene out of the cartoons, you know, when they, they come to investigate a murder or maybe it's on TV, you'll see that they, they make an outline of the body on the floor. And that outline on the body on the floor, for many people in a couple, is that's who I met. Mm. That's how they were. And when they start to put an arm or a hand out of the outline on the floor, the other partner says, oh, no, that's not you. You've got to go back into the box, you know, and tidy you back in because I know how to deal with the outline on the floor. I'm not so good or maybe so open to change. And so we have that opportunity to say, oh, you're different today. What caused the shift rather than get back in the outline? And I think it's important for us to constantly be doing that for ourselves. And you've written a book called You Empowered Strong The Infinite Possibilities and the Power of Yes. And I've read the book. Great job, Candy. Thank you. but for us to become empowered and strong and say yes to this, we have to give ourselves the opportunity to change daily. Mm-hmm. Maybe only tiny, a little, tiny little opening that said, oh, what if I imagined rather than try to make something happen? Right. Um, and maybe it's just you entertain the thought. And maybe it's two weeks from now when you say, well, what would be the next step? But it's opening ourselves to to, to say, I don't have to stay and color in the lines I was given. I can create a new mindset. What do you think? I, I absolutely. First of all, I love the analogy. And I, one of the things that I, I, I explain to people is, have you ever had the opportunity where someone's asked you a question that you gave an answer or made a decision in that moment based on however you were feeling and what was going on around you that given two hours later or given two weeks later, you would have said something different. 
Do you not think we do that every moment because we react more times than allow ourselves to be really present? And when I talk about the courageous connected conversation, it starts with the courageous connected conversation with yourself. And it starts with, and there's a big difference between being honest and your truth. And what happens is we can be honest and we can be with all conviction saying, I am this person. When what we're doing is we're looking at it through tinted sunglasses or we're looking at it through a filter that's what we've created as a truth, which is a belief around how we're perceiving our reality, instead of stepping through and saying, could there be other layers of this truth? We get so caught up in this black and white box of, it has to look like this, this is right, this is wrong. And more times than not, you being right doesn't make me wrong, we both are right. And a lot of my clients I I deal with, because I get a lot of analytical type A personalities and people that have climbed up in the corporate ladder many times, and so I use the analogy of, you know, we're taught mathematically, and I would argue spiritually and philosophically that this is not the case, but mathematically, one plus one is two. Great. Everyone agrees with that. But so is the square root of four. So is 298 minus 296. So is two times one. So is, oh, wait, we also were told and taught that there's an infinite number of numbers available to us in the number system. So if that's true, then aren't there infinite ways to get to two? And why do we get so caught up in the fact that one and one is two, therefore one and one has to be my equation, when Roberta, it might be your equation, but my equation might be the square root of four. And what we don't understand, if you take it even a step further, is if there's infinite ways to get to two, maybe two is not even the outcome that's the right outcome for you. Maybe it's three, four, or five, or that infinite array of numbers that's available. So when you start to look at there's infinite equations, there's infinite possibilities, and there are infinite outcomes, the imagine if space gets really wide open and juicy. And so to think that someone's going to always be this person when you're not the same person every day in every moment. There's a piece of authenticity, yes, and integrity, but we all have masks. We all have things we change based on what's going on in our environment, what's going on with circumstances, energy. We were talking about that before the show today. Energy and the choices and how present we're choosing to be in any given space. All of that creates a different equation every time. So to think that someone's going to stay in this box, Mm -hmm. that you're going to stay in this box is so debilitating and limiting and so not truth when you look at all of the varying factors that are going on outside of it. Well, I think you brought up a really good point because we do have a tendency to say, well, I can change, but you need to stay the same. And if we think about it in terms of how our mind works, you know, maybe one of your friends has a child, a baby. And 10 years later, you say, well, how's the baby? And they say, well, they're 10. And you go, oh, where did the time go? (laughs) Well, you changed for 10 years, but somehow that state is a constant object. That's a baby. She had a baby. Um, So it's really important. And I want to hone in on some few things here now because we've set a good general context for what's possible, um, that our belief system, our understanding, all these things can change. And therefore, we need to give people latitude for theirs to have changed. 
Have you ever been with a toxic, difficult person, Candy? <laughs> uh, I say I laugh a little bit because I, I don't think you can be a human individual without experiencing a toxic person in your life. I think we all have those experiences. And yes, I, I unfortunately and fortunately, I say that in both sides of the equation, um, I started my journey in this world with an extremely toxic person. My very first introduction to what a toxic um, person, narcissist really uh, looks like is my own father. And so I was, I had a childhood of really working through some of those choices. And one of the, the most challenging aspects of that was I look exactly like my father and I have every single one of his characteristics. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I thought that that was my destiny, that then I was, I had no choice. I was going to be my dad. And what really was the biggest blessing and gift from that was understanding that while he chooses to use those gifts in that way, I have a choice to do something very different. Same characteristics, same personality traits, same stature, demeanor, look, you name it. And there's a wide array of possibilities inside of that framing, that makeup. And he was, he was my best teacher and he was my first introduction to what a really, truly toxic human being could be like. Um, and so I had a, quite a journey to understand that, appreciate that, and determine who I wanted to be inside of it. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. I want to say something about that. Um, when we have awareness and are willing, have the emotional ability, and I mean that, the ability to say, I have choices and I'm willing to look at my behavior and make choices. That's a different thing than many people, you know, the people that I call hijackals, these difficult, toxic, often disturbing people. Um, many of them don't have the ability to do it, let alone the willingness. So you escaped a certain outcome because you didn't get the full mother or father load there. <laughs> so it was available to you to step back and say that. Now, I understand that completely because when we're raised in a hijackal family, which I was too, um, my mother was a hijackal, but my father came from an entire den of hijackals. Mm -hmm. So I really understood it. But I always stood back and said, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's just crazy. I'm looking at that. And I'm saying, I don't want any of that. Thank you. <laughs> um, and even though I was feeling the effects of it and the strangeness and everything, I could have that detachment and say, something terribly wrong here. Mm -hmm. So I think you and I are talking about having a leg up, something that we could do. And that's a very, very important for us, a conversation for us to continue with. When we're talking about having a hijackal parent, a difficult, toxic parent, we are fortunate if we have that perspective that we can step back and say, I don't choose to be like that because hijackals don't have that choice. Right. You know, and, and so I just want to make that distinction. But in that, they can be the very model of what we would not like to emulate. And then I want to talk now about your leadership things and being a leader in your own life, because that's where it comes in, isn't it? 
when you have that moment to say, I have choice, I can take a leadership role in my own life. It really starts with that inner voice within, don't you think? It does. And, and like you as a kid, there was this, I don't know if it was a moral code or an integrity or something that always made the situation and the way my father chose to show up feel like it wasn't right. I would challenge it constantly. And I can remember my grandmother and my mother going, just tell your father he's right. Just because they wanted to create. Oh, with it. Right. And for me, I, I literally in the core of my being could not say that that was okay. I'm like, that's not okay. It's not okay. And so there was this understanding. What was, what was probably the biggest opportunity for me to step into my own leadership and then teach it was the learning that I got around what it really means to play victim. I always thought victim was somebody that just cried about it, played the martyr, had to tell their story, didn't want to take responsibility. I didn't realize until later on in my career that I created a different level of victimhood, which was, I'm not going to tell anyone what's going on. I got this. No one, I don't want anyone to know my deep deep, dark secrets. So therefore, I'm going to put the front that says I'm superhuman. I'm superwoman. I can do everything. If this is the measure of success, I'm going to go at it no matter what. And what happened was I attracted and even sought out continual abusive situations through my personal life and my career because I started to create a mindset around no pain, no gain. And you know what? You hit me and literally I felt like a human punching bag and used to actually say, I am a human punching bag. But you know what? You know what happens to a punching bag when you hit it? Those blow up bags, they pop back up. And for me, the win was as long as I can pop back up, hit me as hard as you're going to hit me figuratively, physically, literally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, as long as I can come back up with the armor what I didn't realize was that's a whole nother level of victimhood. And that in itself almost cost me my life because it really created such stress and anxiety that it, I, went, I ended up in a hospital. And what happened at 35 is I had this, another one of these, I've had many in my lifetime, what I call defining moments that I had to really stand in my truth and say, while my dad may have done this when I was a child, everything since has been a decision I've made to say that that's still okay. And when I had to step into a space to take full responsibility for the addictive coping mechanisms, everything from binge eating to fat burners, to working out, to over excessive shopping, to drinking, to you name it. If it was an addiction and a compulsion, I was doing it except hardcore drugs. That being said, I created every one of those environments because it fed that need to feel like I was getting hit so I could come back up. And it wasn't until I took full responsibility to see the cycle that I had created that I could step forward and say, wow, I never thought about, imagine if I changed the story. Imagine if I stopped letting that be my truth. And I step into a place to think, because I struggled for a long time, even with my religious upbringing and, and beliefs that were instilled in you, I just didn't believe that I was supposed to be in a space with all this judgment and all this hate and all this punishment and all this abuse that I for once took ownership to say, 
imagine if I was supposed to be loved. And now mind you, I had the whole, you know, rock bottom, come to Jesus, had the healing, the processing and whatever. And what happened was, as I realized that I wanted to change the cycle of fear that we keep panning down, I want to eradicate it. And I especially want to change the relationships between men and their daughters. That for me, it became very clear that then I have to go where the root of that exists. And it starts in our business. It starts in what's happening organizationally and in business environments and from our government and corporate and the military. And when you bring all of that together, that's a majority of where our male energy is at. We're feeding into that over and over and over again. And so I decided then that I needed to take those lessons and teach people how to lead from love with love in a bigger space than just having it be about fathers and their daughters. Whoa, there's so much I want to say about that. But if you're really enjoying listening to Candy and you want to know more about what she does, go to CandyBaroneInternational.com. And that's C-A-N-D-B-A-R-O-N-E, international, spelled all the way out, dot com. And you want to have a look at her book because Yes, Empowered Strong, Infinite Possibilities in the Power of Yes is a worthy read. And you can read it, you know, in one sitting. So you can really get the full shot right Mm -hmm. then and there, which is, is, is great in these days because we want to have those full shots. You know, we can enjoy a leisurely read. But it's so great when you really want to get something that you can get it quickly. So I just want to respond to a couple of things there because there may be somebody sitting at home saying, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know what happened to me. And that's true. I mean, we don't know your story. We don't know how you took it in. We all were at at different levels of brain development when we were young. We don't know where those tentacles got around our heart and our mind and our soul. We don't know exactly for each individual where the this stop button got pushed. However, that's what people like me help people uncover. And you're doing it in the corporate world, which is wonderful. And I really like your premise that in these more patriarchal situations where there tends to be male dominance, um, yes, we're making inroads, but boy, we need to make highways, not paths, you know? <laughs> yes, we have little dirt paths in many, many instances. We need much more, yes, there's still a lot of work to be done in the business. Oh, right? there sure is. And, and there's a lot of work to be done, too. I was on, the co- on a call with a, a colleague this morning, and she was saying, you know, is everybody just going to want to rant and vent? Is there any other way? And so I was saying, well, everybody needs an appropriate place to rant and vent. And then you go into where you want to make a difference and you want to bring your learning. And I think that's important because people who are really hurting often will rant and vent in places that can't hear them, don't want to hear them, and they feel re-wounded when no one listens. Yeah, I'm very clear, especially when I go back into the business space, whether it be with business owners, corporate, even entrepreneurs, that there is really a very clear message around be responsible about your venting. Know what you're trying to vent, know who your audience is. And what kills me, especially in the corporate aspect, is too many people vent down. And what they don't realize is venting down is never a possibility to open up greater 
you know, opportunities. If venting down is always a one-sided and it's going to have people spinning because they either don't have the full breadth of what's going on. They don't have the emotional intelligence or capacity based on their knowledge of the situation. Venting is an out and up game always. And um, mm. people do not realize there is a responsibility. You do need safe spaces and you need to be able to tell people, look, I don't need coaching right now. I don't need you to fix it. I need a safe space where I can say this, process it, and then take ownership of it so that I can create what I need to, whether it's healing or whatever to move forward. The opportunity or the challenge for most people is they vent without taking any responsibility for how they're venting, where they're venting, and what they're going to do once they put it out there. Yeah, I think that's really a great point, Candy. And also, I was speaking at the California HR conference a couple of years ago, and I was talking about hijackles, which, in my opinion and in my experience, having worked in corporations for a long time in businesses, there is a reverse pinball machine that happens in business. <laughs> if a person is particularly difficult mm -hmm. or toxic uh, and the particular manager or supervisor or whomever doesn't want to keep them in the group, they start going through lateral and vertical moves. Mm -hmm. They start becoming a reverse pinball in the organization. <laughs> and then you get somebody who has a responsible position who's venting and blaming and upsetting and nobody wants to work for them. The productivity goes down. Nobody wants to venture an idea or put forth something that could be shot down. And so we just limit and mm -hmm. even contract the, the potential of a team or a company or whatever. And I think that's an important thing for us to notice. And then if we come from a home like we've been speaking of, and then we get somebody like that as our manager, whoa, then we just get that all over again. Like, ooh, you know. You well, it is. And, and it's interesting that you say you were at an HR conference when you were having some of the, you know, these conversations and, and putting that message out there, because what really is interesting to me and, and part of why that reverse pinball effect happens is, and it's why I say the courageous connected conversation more times than not organizations when they have a, a program or training or space around conflict, it's managing conflict and it's all about getting conflict out of the workplace whereas real communication cannot exist without conflict the That's opportunity right. that is missed because there's so much fear in people having vulnerable courageous connected real conversations because there's so much judgment and criticism is rather than be taught how to invite and facilitate healthy conversation, which means healthy conflict. They say, we, don't, we are not going to touch conflict in any way, shape, or form. Therefore, we just need to move this person over here. We just need to. So they avoid conflict, which means they're avoiding the toxicity that's the seed that's starting to grow in their organization. And then what happens is it gets tentacles and it goes out because everybody else is watching. And so now the fear has just meant the biggest dysfunction in organizations is lack of trust. Oh, I People do not agree. feel as if they can be themselves, speak their voice, and stand in their integrity and authenticity. You can't have real, meaningful, change conversations when you're too afraid to face conflict in the face. 
that goes for everywhere in life. And because when I'm working with couples, when I'm working with a team, the same thing is true. And I'm sure you find that as well. And, you know, I wrote a book called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. And in there, there's lots of things about how to communicate, how to resolve conflicts, approach conflicts in healthy ways, manage anger, negotiate, all of that. And it's important because many of us didn't get those skills at home. And so we get out in the workplace and there, oh, all our fears show up, as you said. And now we don't really want to talk to that person in the next cubicle. In fact, we'd rather lose a day's pay sometime than do that. Right. And it's important for us to understand that there are possibilities of learning to do all this differently. So I'm so glad, Candy, you've shared this with me. We've got to have a conversation another time so that we can talk more about it and move it forward. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show, Roberta. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. And my guest is Candy Barone, candybaroneinternational.com. You want to go to our show page and find her free gift for you and more ways that you can get her book. So we're here we are on Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I hope that you'll return and visit us often. And if you'd like to know more about how to work with me, go to forrelationshiphelp.com or to my YouTube channel for Relationship Help. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.